All right, and good morning to you. We are certainly glad that you are here today with us at Dorisville Baptist Church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and we are looking forward to this Sunday, but of course, we're also looking forward in a great way to next Sunday. Um, we are privileged to have, and we certainly appreciate the Robertsons being here with us, and, and uh, appreciate very much their presentation, both in the brunch and also, in, and also here. And speaking of the brunch, so I have three of my grandchildren with, with us today. We have eight, and we have three of them here. And, um, and so they were into Sunday school, and, and so I'm not sure what the plan was supposed to be, but they came in, and, and they said, where's Mama? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, well, we, we, we can't find her anywhere. And I said, well, well I don't know. And then the second question was the most important one. Where's the food? <laughs> Great Baptist. I said, well, it's in here. So, so we went in there. The ladies still had all nice spread out there, and they had waffles and fruit of all that. And then about the time that happens, you know, Judy walks in and says, where are the kids? I said, they're eating, you know, <laughs> they're, they're having breakfast. And Judy goes, I've been all over looking for them. Now, if you don't know our building, you know, you really don't know. You know, this is the, this is the I think it's the north wall. I think that's right. And if you, go, if you go all the way to the far end of the youth department, the children's department up in there, it's like a three-day journey. I mean, you know, you have your, no, no, have you heard the story about the wilderness and the children of Israel taking 40 years? Yeah, yeah, we have people, listen, we have people visit our church two years ago, and they're still wandering the building looking for the way out. It's amazing. But I am very pleased to have, I got one, two just went to click, and we're glad to have you, Ellie, with us today, and I'm glad we could feed you uh, breakfast. And like I said, we are definitely looking forward to next week. We'll have maximum chairs set up in here. And by the way, if you've always said, you know, I've always thought about going to early church, well, that might be good day because it'll free up some seats in here. Um, we have just about the same service um, every week. And if you'd like a smaller crowd, that might be a good opportunity for you to try out um, first service. Starts at 8 o'clock and then, of course, 10, 15 for here. Well, today, ta da 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 today is, in fact, the last message in our 23 for 23 series. And I'm just going to tell you something. Um, it has been a great series. God has spoken to us in so many different areas in so different ways through um, the 23 23rd Psalm. And so those messages, by the way, are generally speaking, all of them are available on YouTube. If you look under Dorsville Ministries, uh, you can find those messages there to go back through them and, and to learn some more about what God has spoken through in 23. Now, you may have thought, you may have thought next or two weeks ago, we had the ordination last week, but two weeks ago when we had the Oily Beards and Saucers sermon title, you may have thought that just a little strange. And then if you look at this sermon title, you might just think the same thing. The Hounds and Hope of Heaven. Well, I'm excited today because we're talking about a topic that we really don't usually assign to God um, that really is just, man, this morning particularly, as I was studying, just really leapt off the pages at me that this incredible creator God loves us enough to pursue us, to pursue us. You know, I don't know, dude, maybe you're one of those guys that the girls chased you. Um, yeah, that wasn't my case. Yeah, I was always chasing the girls. You know, I've never been, I've never been pursued before. Uh, and so lo and behold, Daniel, to have a God, a creator God who loves us so much, loves me so much that he pursued me the way that he has. You know, you know, how far would he go? 
How far will he go? How far did he go? And it's just an amazing concept of God. And that's what we want to share um, today. So you might be wondering, so how does that fit in with the hounds and hope of heaven? Well, there's actually two ways. Um, first off, when I, when, I, when I had this title, and I'll tell you that part in just a moment. But when I came up with this title, you know, I found out that the hound of heaven... Okay, The Hound of Heaven was originally a poem written in 1893 by Francis Thompson. And I'm not sure, he, he probably was a preacher. It sounded pretty preachery-like. Actually, I didn't understand it because it was written in Old English, you know, like, like the very old King James Version. I definitely needed the New Living Translation of that poem to get any part of it. But here's the deal, is that he described God, okay, as the Hound of Heaven. And, and the idea being that God, here he was a wretched sinner, and yet God pursued him just like a hunting hound would seek its prey. That nothing could pull the, the hound away from the finding of the prey. And he realized that that's just how God was with him, and hence the title of the poem, The Hound of Heaven. Well, when I was younger, and I'm really not sure if it was when I was a teenager, or was it when I was a younger Christian, and happened to be at a conference, or maybe when I was a pastor, I don't know, but, but there's an older pastor And he was preaching um, from this scripture, from Psalm 23, verse number 6. And he was preaching about goodness and mercy. And he called it the hounds, plural, the hounds of heaven. And that stuck with me all through these years. And, of course, that verse says, you know, even, even though that's, that's a little, just a little bit there. You know, for, for surely, for surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So our intro then goes like this, you know, just like a determined coonhound, goodness and mercy, those two sweet hounds of heaven chase and pursue us. You know, and, and here's what's so powerful about this is, again, like that determined coonhound that's locked on, oh, 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 and just will not break away from the prey that is seeking, okay? Then these two, then, this goodness and mercy, those two sweet hounds of heaven, they chase and pursue us. You know, David said it this way in the English, you know, version, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, but it's, the, it's just pursue me. It chases me. It seeks after me all the days of my life. And how powerful, how strong that is. But here's what's really good. You know, goodness and mercy, okay, are not just two things about God things about God. You know, if you were to describe your wife or your husband, you might give them two things about them, okay? You know, Jesus very kind. She's very beautiful, okay? You know, you would say things, okay? And, and these are, goodness and mercy are not just things about God. In fact, even more so, they're not even just characteristics of God, okay? They're not just characteristics. In fact, these two words describe the very character of of God. And what I mean by that is this. See, not only does God do good, God is good. Amen. See, he, he not only does good, by his very character, he is good. And this word mercy, we in some translations use the word love. Sometimes it's a merciful love. 
But, but not only does God show this merciful love, okay, he is, his very character is that love. God is love. God is good. It's the very essence of who he is. So, so now we go and say like a determined coonhound, goodness and mercy, those two sweet hounds of heaven chase and pursue us. And the beautiful picture is, is that God is a pursuing God. God is a seeking after God. I mean, you know, God took the initiative in the plan of salvation. We were wretched and we were broken. And God, God initiated the plan you know, of the cross and, and the resurrection. I mean, from, from, from the get-go, even before, even before the foundations of the world, God knew that men would sin and they would need redemption. And he had a plan, and it's called the plan of salvation. It's an amazing thing, this pursuing God and how he seeks after us. So what's our teaching point say? Well... Likewise, likewise, the, the shepherd of goodness and mercy, and of course, this shepherd, this good shepherd, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Likewise, the shepherd of goodness and mercy will stop at nothing to bring his sheep home. How far would the good shepherd go? How far would the good shepherd go? And this is it right here. How, how far, look, 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 look. How far would God be willing to go to bring you to heaven. How far would God be willing to do to forgive your sins? And the answer is, it's what we celebrate this Good Friday. He sent his son to earth. That's called Christmas. Okay. He lived a perfect and sinless life. At age 30, he goes public and declares himself as, and, and declared rightfully, by the way, that he is the son of God. And then he allows himself be nailed to a Roman cross. What word did I just use? He allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross. And God allowed his son to be slaughtered on a Roman cross so that people like you and me could come to grace and faith in Jesus Christ. That we could have our sins forgiven. That we could have the hope of heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's just amazing to me. If, if, you, need something, if you need something to be excited about, okay... You know, I want to tell you, that's something to be excited about. That there's this, amen, there's this creator God. There's this creator God, and he cares and loves for us so much. He allowed his son to die. For God so loved the world. It's a common verse, but it's the biggest truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish have everlasting life. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that even though we were sinners, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't pass on the back and say, if you get better, he, he didn't pass on the back and say, when you start getting it right, let me know and I'll finish the job. No, that even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And friend, if you're here today and you don't know this truth, listen, you don't need religion. You, in fact, you don't even need church. You need a savior, you need a redeemer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And God is pursuing you today. Oh, Dwayne, God wouldn't pursue me because you don't know what I've done. Listen, there is no sin you could ever create, no, no piles of sin that you could ever do that would exceed the grace of God. Yeah, religion can't make you that offer. And church and denominationalism, they can't make that offer. But God can. His Grace is sufficient. So, so, God, so God starts out by pursuing us to save us. See, we don't seek after God. He seeks after us. 
And today, if you're in this building or you're on Facebook or you're listening through the radio, I want you to know something, that God is seeking you today. And he's seeking for the purpose to bring you to himself. To bring you to himself. Jesus told a story one time in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 4 to try to make this point across. Okay? And here's what he said. What man among you who has a has hundred sheep and then he loses one of them and he does not leave, and who does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? Now, that doesn't, it doesn't work for us, but boy, trust me, it worked for them. They understood fully, even if they weren't shepherds, they fully understand the shepherd concept. That if you had a hundred sheep and, and you lost one of them, you left the 99 there in the open field in a safe place, yes, but you left them and went seeking the one that was lost. And I want to tell you something, that's what I'm saying, God is seeking after you today. He is willing to leave these and to seek after you. You know, if I had a hundred dollar... I had $100 bills, and I lost one. It wouldn't mean anything to me. If I, if I had, if I had $1,000 and, and, and lost you know, you know, $100, I, I might notice. But you see, sheep were different. Sheep were personal. Um, our, our teaching point you know, does this. You know, it says, to the shepherd, each sheep is more than a commodity or an investment. Oh, would you get that? If you're here today, and you've kind of been wondering about this God thing, would you get a hold of that? Would you grasp that? You know, you're not just a token on God's board. You're not just another one of seven billion people that happened to be born on this earth today and not counting the thousands and millions before you. He loves you. He loves you enough to pursue you. You're not a commodity. You are not an investment. You are an object of his love. He wants to pour that love out on you. And all he waits for is for you to respond and say yes. How amazing, amazing is that? Well, he goes on in teaching in verse number six. And he says, so when he has found it. So when the guy goes out and he finds the sheep that is lost. You know, you know when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder. Do you see, do you catch that? You know, it wasn't. It wasn't a reprimand for the sheep. It wasn't remorse that he had to take time off to do this. No, he joyfully, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. You see those two key words? Rejoice with me, that would be God, because I have found my, uh, that would be you, lost sheep. Now, I'm telling you, you know, and Jesus is going to tell us in just a moment, that, that when a person comes home in faith, when a person that God has loved and wooed and, and sought after comes home, it's a cause for a party. It's a cause for a celebration. Um, in fact, that's exactly what Jesus says. He goes on and says, verse number 7, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Every time a sinner comes home, every time you come home, you know, God can't wait to throw you a party. He cannot wait. When you turn in faith to Jesus, believing what Jesus did and turning from your sin to follow Christ, oh, God's going to celebrate. There is a party in heaven. 
And I love this because, you know, I'm not sure exactly what, what the Bible means when it says those who don't need repentance. I guess it could be those who don't care. Certainly it could include the scribes and the Pharisees. Probably Jesus was, was gigging them some. But there's a truth here that I think we need to grab a hold of. You know, God loves us, and, and he celebrated the day, October 26, 1975. When I came to faith in Jesus, he celebrated that. But let me ask you a question. Why is it in, particularly in the American culture, that we celebrate the number of Christians who come to church each week more than when one person comes to faith? Why, why do we have a big celebration? Oh, wow, we had this really big crowd Sunday. We should have a big crowd Sunday. All the Jesus people should flock to the Jesus house to celebrate and worship the Jesus that died for them. That's just a natural thing. But when a person gets saved, oh, we clap. We need to follow the example of Jesus who said, look, You need to know something. There's a bigger party in heaven when one person comes home in faith than when 500 people show up at church. There's a bigger party in heaven when one person comes to faith than when 500 Jesus people show up at the Jesus house to worship the Jesus they love anyway. It's a big truth. It's a big truth. So, So we need to follow the example then of Jesus. The, the teaching point says it best. You know, Jesus, the heart of Jesus beats for the lost. And his purpose is to seek and to save that which, which was lost. Do you get that? Friend, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, his whole purpose to coming to earth and to bleed and die and resurrection was for you. Was for you. I know. I, I, if you read Grits tomorrow, you, you'll see part of this. You know, we need to understand that culture is down on God. I get that. You know, if you're listening on the radio today, maybe you're flipping through the channels or you're on Facebook and you heard this guy's voice and you grabbed, you know, tuned in. I get all the facts, what culture says about God. But for my goodness sake, do not believe what culture says about God. Believe what God says about God. He's worth the risk. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I didn't say this in first service for sure, but it's a great thing to say right now. You're saying, well, Dwayne, what if it's not true? What if it's not true? Okay, let me tell you how it plays out. If all this is not true, then one day I'm going to die, I'm going to a hole, I'm going to rot, and that's the end of me. But I have lived an awesome life. There would be not any regrets if this is all just a fairy tale and Dwayne dies, I'm just going to say, lived a great life. Wouldn't have changed the thing. But what if it's true? And you say no. Then that means God is real. There really was a Jesus. He really did offer to die for you. He did die for you. And offer you forgiveness. And you said no. And for all eternity, you'll be separated from God because of that decision. Is that worth the risk? Is that worth the risk? Our plea today is come to Jesus. Not Baptists. Not church. Not religion. Not do better. Not a giant scale. Not keep the rules. Come to Jesus. 
The pursuing God is calling you today. So he pursues us to our salvation. But see, it doesn't stop there. He then pursues us. I really don't like this word. It's a great religious word, sanctification. But he just keeps pursuing us and growing the relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. I I went back to, to Psalm 23, 6, that first part. Surely... Surely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So so he pursues us to salvation, and we become his child, but then he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't say, good luck. Hope you make it. No. No. He walks with us. I have a piece of paper on my desk. It's about this big. And I think I got it. I was doing marriage counseling, which I'm terrible at. And I did marriage counseling. And, and, and I, I read something. And I said, that's so good. I'm going to write it down. And it's been under my glass for 10 years. You know what it says? It's like seven words. Five words. I didn't count them. You know. I do doesn't mean you're done. Isn't that good? Dude, that will save you someday. Remember that one. I do doesn't mean you're done. And what's great is, you know, is this pursuing God, when he said, I do accept you, he's not, hmm, he's not done with you. In fact, you know what? There is nothing you can do that God will be done with you. There's nothing you can do that God will be done with you. There's no failure big enough. He will be there for you. And by the way, when you say, I do, you're not done with God. It's the start of the greatest journey of your life. The journey of faith is the greatest journey of life. So, so, so we have this awesome opportunity then. So let's look at our teaching point. So God's pursuit of us doesn't stop with our salvation. It's only the beginning. You know, and if we wonder, and guess what? Let me just tell you, you will. You know what's the old song say? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Yeah, we're prone to wonder. We, we tend to turn prodigal. The story of the prodigal son who said, Dad, give me everything I got. I'm leaving town. Yeah, yeah, we sometimes turn prodigal. But the hounds of heaven, I love this. The hounds of heaven will still pursue you. Can I say it one more time? There's nothing you can do to keep God from pursuing you. He loves you that much. Are you worthy? No. It's not about worthiness. It's about his grace and his grace and mercy. He will not. He will not let us go. There's a song that came out in 2017. It really topped all the worship charts. And it was called Reckless Love. And we didn't sing it here. And a lot of churches didn't sing it. When it came out, I mean, it was just, it was like crazy. It was a wildfire. And then someone made a comment about the term reckless in this song. Okay? And and they decided that is a wrong term to describe the love of God. And so a lot of good people abandoned it. Again, uh, our own worship leader said, we're not going to sing that song here because of that word. So I decided to check it out. And so I did. And you know what? It's true. The, the term reckless means to, without concern for another. 
Well, that sure, certainly wouldn't describe God. I would get that. Now, a reckless love, a, a love that, of God that, that doesn't have any concern for me? Well, the only problem is we know that's not true. But the other, and it's like they, they didn't even read the whole definition. Reckless is without concern for another or oneself. Or oneself. Now wait. God loved us enough to send his son on purpose to earth to be slaughtered on our behalf on a Roman cross. Knowing full well the ramifications, what it meant to send his son Jesus, he sent him anyway for one reason, and that is he loved us. That just might be a good definition of reckless love. He could have said, I just can't send, they're just not worth it. I can't send my only begotten son to be slaughtered on a cross. Jesus could have said, well, listen, uh, you know, whoa, hang on, I'm with you. Pray we need to get that fixed. Jesus, Jesus could have said in the upper room, you know, I, I'm willing to wash the guy's feet, but I'm not going any further. He, he could have said, you know, I guess I'm willing to go to the garden and, and pray, but that's as far as I'll go. I'm willing to be arrested maybe, or just perhaps, perhaps, I'm willing to be scourged with a cab nine tails, but not the cross. Aren't you glad he went all the way? Amen. Aren't you glad that he loved us so much? He went all the way to the cross. Now listen to these words. It's, it's, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending love. A love without regard for himself. Without regard for himself. Love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending. Reckless love of God. And in that lens, I want you to see the pursuing God. Some of you live in a fear that God's going to change his mind about you. And he will not. His love, his character, his nature would never, never allow that. And then we have the last one. He, he pursues us to salvation. He, he pursues us to sanctification, you know, becoming more like Christ. And finally, he pursues us into a place where we are safe. Because the psalmist said, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. He, he pursues us to this place of safety. So our teaching point says this. Our teaching point says, David made sure we understood that this pursuit lasts all the days of our lives. He will not stop pursuing. They will chase us to eternity and finally straight into the arms of Jesus. I'm glad to report to you today that this is not all there is. I'm glad it's not all there is. In our family, I have a nephew named John. And back in the fall, 
he had an earache, so he went to the doctor, and they found a cancer. And, you know, they assured him it was an aggressive cancer, but it's very highly treated, treatable, like a 95% uh, treat rate. So they did the surgery, started the chemo. It just didn't, wasn't working. And they re-diagnosed and stepped back and found he had a whole different kind of cancer. And this one wasn't quite as easy. And he's in a journey right now. He's in a journey right now. In fact, he's in a case study right now. And my sister wrote me this week and said, you just need to pray for me. These are very difficult days for my faith. And for her and for people like that, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you've been fighting pain in your body long enough. Maybe your marriage has been a wreck for 50 years or 40 years or 30 years. Maybe, maybe your parents have been riding you and riding you hard. Jesus said one day, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also me. And part of that, you believe God pursues you and believe as the Son, He pursues you. He says, in my Father's house are are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you. To where I am, where I am, there you may be also. I want to tell you that this is not all there is. This is not all there is. Look at our teaching point. Heaven, home. No matter how good here is, there will be better. And I kind of, I, sometimes the difficulty of here just makes their sweeter. I think, you know, gee, Judy insists on putting water, oh, salt on watermelon. And she insists on trying to tell me that it makes the watermelon sweeter. And I really think it must be the bitterness of the salt makes anything sweeter. Maybe that's this. Maybe this life often, life here gets too good, we forget about God and forget about heaven. But when we have the struggles, it reminds us, reminds us how sweet and how good heaven will be. We will dwell with him throughout eternity. We can't imagine all that heaven will be. But he will be there. And guess what? That's enough. That's enough. I can't imagine this, I don't suppose. But in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 3, you know, you know, this David writes, or excuse me, John writes and says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! It's like an amazement. Wow! God's dwelling is with humanity, is with people. And he will live with them. There's been an old gospel song that said, Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. Not the streets of gold and all that. Jesus. And then verse number four says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Heaven is not a place of tears. Death will be no more. Death will be no more. I did the Baptist hour yesterday morning. One young man was 30 years old. I don't know the story. All I know is this, 30 is too young to die. And then, I think the oldest age I've ever heard on the Baptist Hour, I've been doing the Baptist Hour for 22 years. 
She was 105. But guess what? Whether you're 30 or 105, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, death will be no more. There'll be no more grief. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain anymore. Why? Because the previous things, the things that caused death, sin, the things that called grief, sin, the things that caused crying, sin, the thing that caused pain, sin, will be no more. They'll be gone. Gone. And all that happens because of the pursuing passionate love of God. So if you're here today, and maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe today was the thing that might nudge you as God pursues you. And today you'd like to know more how you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How what we talked about, Him dying on the cross for your sin, Him resurrecting because of His victory over death, and you're, if you're willing to turn and follow, he'll forgive your sins. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And we would love to tell you more about Jesus. Perhaps you're here today and you are a Jesus person. You're a Jesus follower. Man, let me encourage you to be encouraged. The fact that this pursuing God will not stop pursuing you. That's probably, by the way, just for free. That's probably good marital advice. Men, pursue your life, your wife like you did when you met her. And wives, love your husbands like the first time you met him. So if you're a Jesus person, rest in his surety. And if you're overwhelmed today with the heartache and the pain of life, just remember this. Remember this. There will be better than here. Would you bow your heads, please? This is our time of decision. And the altar is open. We'd love to have you come. If you want to come and pray, we got some folks who will be glad to pray with you today. My friend Brent will be standing down front. If you have a decision you'd like to make for Jesus, if you want to know more about Jesus, you've got more questions than answers right now, we would be glad to try to answer those questions for you. Perhaps you're here today and you've been weighing about, do you want to join the church family? We'd love to have you um, come and do that. Anything we can help you with today, with what you've heard today, is what we would like. To do So, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing um, these truths today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, uh, Lord, that you will speak to hearts. Thank you for being a pursuing God. And I know for certain that either via the radio or through uh, Facebook Live or even in this room, you're pursuing someone's soul. Oh, Father, do not let them go. Do not let them go. And, Father, as we journey through life, help us to know that you're not done with us. You will not be done with us, but rather you'll pursue us. And one day, well, there will be better than here. In Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.